This is part two. I'm Reggie. I'm Anthony. And we're here to smack you with some some good old uh, soccer tactics. Tactical masterclass. We're, we're, we're here to smack you with a book of soccer tactics. <laughs> the Holy Bible. We're going to go chapter by chapter. The Holy Bible. We're going we're gonna to hit you left, right, center. It's going to be overwhelming. <laughs> but truth be told, we, we, we only have a, a tiny grasp on what we're actually talking yes, about. Yes, exactly. We all, all all our tactical know how is from personal experience and watching TV and playing FIFA. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. So Anthony, you want to talk about managerial tactics in this section? Yeah, I think that's a good topic. So, what you really want to talk about, I think, is how my team Manchester United <laughs> did. This is the Manchester United podcast right now. Didn't even play for the win. Where's Liverpool? <laughs> Whatever. Honestly, in the position you guys are in right now, not playing for the win might be a good idea only because you guys are in such frantic shape that I just feel like you guys needed to kind of take that that approach against us. Especially since you got lucky enough that we weren't playing Salah. If you played Salah, I know it'd be a completely different game. Are you trying to say that we're so whack? We had to play like that? Yup. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, we played a, a 3-4-3 that game. That was a lot different than what we normally play. And I think that, that also threw you guys off. I think you guys have too many youngsters right now. And you don't have enough people experience. There's no such thing as too many youngsters. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> Youth leads the way. Youth leads the way as long as there's people experienced enough to help them. Because... I know for a fact that Chelsea's little experiment would not be working if they didn't have like OGs like Conte and Jorginho and William that were already established and adapted to the Premier League that could help players like Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount and Christian Pulisic and whatever you little youngster else they have. Tamori, Tamori, yeah, Tamori, Foyakov, Tamori, Tamori, Tamori is benefiting from the Christian partnership, and who they have as a goalkeeper, Keppa, Keppa's oh, another screw Keppa, yeah, oh yeah, whatever, but he's another young, young, young goalkeeper, so, but I personally think a good mix is necessary. I know for a fact Alexander Arnold would never be able to develop the rate he's developing if he didn't, wasn't playing with players like Virgil Van Dyke, and. Whatever midfield is, why not don't. So you think Manchester right now is is kind of a joke because we're only playing youngsters? Uh, not really. It's just the caliber of I don't know why, but I just feel like the caliber of player you have now isn't. You don't have enough starting starting players. Like when you have to start players like Andres Pereira, that's so you know your team doesn't have a lot of options. Whoa, what are you guys say Andres <laughs> Pereira? He's not a youngster. Well, whatever. He's, he's like twenty six by now. Well, if he's twenty six by now. He needs he's to move along. He's a he's a wolves player. Okay, he's a oh he's a he's a he's go a play for Everton. Wolves. Go play for Everton, bro. Like, if you're that old and you're not like peaking, I just feel like you need to really consider your next career path. Man, okay, I get that. Let's talk about uh, Liverpool style. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think our style has definitely evolved. Especially since Klopp came. By Liverpool's, I mean Klopp's. Because it's not... <laughs> it's not actually yours. It's not actually your style. It's totally his. 
It's it's a it's an evolution. I remember then that's why I want to bring up his old style because his old style uh, the problem with it how wasn't you, su- play, you couldn't really sustain it. It's not sustainable. You just run your plays down into the ground. Not true. Not true. Not true. What? You don't run our plays into the ground. You run your well, plays well into the ground. kind of. That that's because for whatever reason we just didn't have the cash to be dropping on like a big time player. And plus, Klopp still wanted to like I don't know nurse his injury prone Al Oxlade and nurse Keita back to health just to just to see if they they're worth the amount of money we spent for them. Because we spent at least fifty million on Keita and forty million on Oxley, that to me is a lost investment. They might be great characters in the dressing room or whatever his philosophy is, but if they're not playing consistently or consistently enough, I don't really see how they are worth the investment. I don't know. Wow, you turn on your own players? I'm not turning on my own players. I love I love Oxley. I think he's a great player. I think he has a lot of potential, and I'm really hopeful that he can stay fit. But that's again without without out of my control so it's, it's one of those things where it's just one of those question mark factors and, and me as a manager i, I hate I, i'd hate that i'd hate to have to do players that are just question marks like yeah i may have you i may not have you you know it's like i like to have my like if i was a manager i'd like to have most of my players you know reliability that to me is important reliability there's still something fundamentally uh, off with your manager to me really it's just the way he plays, the way he approaches things. There's like a, a certain level of intensity that he makes his players play with. It's it's not... How do I say this? His game plan is not flexible. So his players can be very intensely pursuing his plan A. They can get worn out from it. And at the same time, a team can also figure that out and know how to, how to, know how to, how to counter exactly what he's doing. So by the time he should be he should be on plan B, switching up a few things there, his entire team is worn out, and he himself doesn't even want to go to plan B because he's like, oh, I'm already so invested in the strategy. Oh, this is my this is my way of the highway. <laughs> this is the only way to play. No, I think being flexible is important for being uh, when you're a manager, and I do agree, club. He's definitely like a plan A only type of person. My point is that he makes them commit 100%. And not only does, does, does he make them commit, he commits himself 100% to the current game plan. Right? So both his players and, him, and himself with, his, with his, his plans and his tactics and his strategies, he puts 100% of his effort into one approach. And, and he, makes sure that, he makes sure that his players do that as well. But doesn't leave any room for any kind of flexibility. You know, if you get found out, like if someone figures out, oh, okay, I just have to, you know, use a strategy against you, then he's kind of lost. That's true. I guess. I feel like that's only evident in the fact that we drew with you guys last week, and whatever he was doing tactically just wasn't working. And especially playing he famously said, Rigi out the wing was just like, Rigi is not in any type of form right now, so why is he, why, why, why is he starting? He famous like Klopp famously said, "If you have a plan B, then you're just you're just getting ready for your for your plan A to fail." That does sound like something Klopp would say. Honestly, he said that. He would say he said that. that. He's like, "There's no plan B. There's no plan, plan A or a bust." And I'll never forget that when he sold Benteke, I was just like, 
I was like, you're not going to use Benteke? He's like, nah, get him out of here. He's not how I like to play. I'm not saying I'm a Benteke fan, but let's... Okay, so let's move on from Liverpool. Let's talk about Barcelona. The modern-day Barcelona. Because I have a lot to say on this issue, right? So, I don't know where Starting with a few say, points, yeah. Valverde should not be a Barcelona Thank coach. you. Oh, my gosh. That was the first thing I was going to say. I was just like, Valverde... He's a, he's a dark storm cloud of Barcelona right now. And this man, get rid of him. it's so crazy how your strategy and tactics on the field can reflect your own personal mindset. And you can tell he's a very fearful man. As a result, he lines his team up as if they're they're afraid of losing. Thusly, he lines them up defensively. He's like, we have to make sure that we don't lose. Defend as much as possible because there's always a possibility that we can lose. Fills them up with such fear that psychologically it's damaging on crucial points. And that's evident in the last two seasons versus Roma and then versus Liverpool. Them just psychologically collapsing in the most important competition. And to me, it stems back from the fact that he's just a fearful man at his own heart and his core. And that reflects his tactics, which hurt the team. And Barcelona, that just doesn't work for them. That can actually work for certain teams. But for Barcelona... That doesn't work for them. Barcelona, the mentality is all about free-flowing, free flowing, but it's also having an approach that shows like they are in control. Not only in control, showing that they are pursuing the mastery, the mastery of football. They're trying to master it, if you know what I mean. Like they're learning, they're growing, they're improving, understanding the fundamental parts of it, and they're progressing through it. They're always adding something to the sport and they're learning more about it themselves. Under Valverde, feels more reductive. They're not adding to the sport, trying to take away the sport, bring it back to just bare bones, just trying to win and get trophies as much as possible. And obviously, this is not part of their philosophy and it's not part of how their team's set up, so it hurts. So they, they try to compensate by spending a, t- a lot of money on certain attacking players, almost make up for certain things. You're right. I, that's actually very interesting, your approach to like as far as your opinion of Valverde because I agree however I would have to say that to me that's a nice way of putting it I think he's a fraud <laughs> I think he's completely out of his depth and he's just he's just he's coaching like, Barcelona he's, like, he's, he's like, coaching Messi what if Roy Hodgson was manager of Barcelona like I'm not saying he's just bad <laughs> Roy Hodgson but he just reminds me of when we signed Roy Hodgson and it's just like I'm not saying you're a bad manager but you're not to the caliber that we need and I feel like Valverde is definitely not the caliber that Barcelona need they need someone who's going to like you're saying who's going to push their team who's going to like you said add to the game add to the sport i think the biggest teams in the world need coaches out first you know those were either ex-players or players that had a very unique understanding of the game and for them to become managers now and apply those same philosophies as a manager an important quality for like a modern day manager especially someone like frank lampard who was an outstanding player we're we're talking about barcelona okay (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying in, in relation in relation my idea of a good manager is someone okay so you're, who, you're switching a subject switching a subject Valverde to me is someone that does not have that ability to think on a high, such a high level and therefore either that or like you said it's fear and he just doesn't want to push his team Valverde is Mourinho but except he's Mourinho Yes. That has a good relationship with his players. Yes, yes. His players love him. 100%, I agree. He makes his players feel, like, comfortable, like, extremely comfortable. He doesn't push them to do anything, and as a result, they don't turn against them. They're like, oh, we love our manager. Our coach is the best. And then they go out there, and they put, like, a bunch of cream puffs. Wow, that's that's harsh. Call them cream puffs. (laughs) Yeah, man. There's no... 
there's no grit. There's no fight in that team. It's good that they signed uh, Vidal to like give that team a backbone or spine. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's a lack of. There's starting to be a lack of serious individuals there. I think Uzmani Dembele needs to go. Um, I think that's part of Valverde's issue is that he's too tolerant of certain things. If I, if I was Valverde, I would have made sure to get rid of Dembele. Dembele literally is late for practice because he stays up all night playing playing video games, playing Fortnite. I don't think that's his his call, though. I don't think it's his call, dude. Especially Dembele was a huge sign for Barcelona, 100 million euros or whatever. I don't think that him alone could say, "Oh yeah, I don't really feel like you know." So what? Some cost bias. We've already we've already started losing enough with 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 Dembele. We should just keep trying until no, we eventually win that. again. I think that Dembele, from a from a administrative perspective, is an investment, and they don't. But want... It's a sunk cost. You never know. I just think that. The, the right manager is in charge of the yes, right players. You invest 100 mil, but it's continuing. Yeah, you invest 100 it's, mil. It's continuing investment. So either the manager yeah, can, and the manager can, can grow your return on investment. Because it's just a, honestly, it's a business. And that's what FSG has done with at least my team. And I don't want to take it off of Barcelona, but I just feel like Barcelona need to understand that their their club is, is an investment. And to return on the investment is important. Therefore, any any player you sign, any youngster you try to bring up, that's important. You know, Dembele is a loss. is a sunk cost. Nah, I don't believe that. I think Dembele still has potential. He just needs to go to the right club. No, he's a sunk cost for Barcelona. You're right. Understand what I'm saying? For, uh, Barcelona. for Barcelona. For Barcelona. It's only a sunk cost if he keeps Valverde there. If Valverde is still manager, it's a sunk cost. Because I don't think Valverde has the ability to... What the heck were they doing with I Griezmann? think he's a fraud, honestly. I think he's a, he's one of the biggest frauds. What the heck were they doing with Griezmann? All the big, all the, all the big managers. All the big managers, he's the biggest fraud. Griezmann, like Griezmann starting. What the heck were they doing with that? I that was understand. panic buy. Honestly, over the, over the past couple of years, Barcelona has been doing a lot of panic buys. And it doesn't look like it's been well thought out. It's just signing for the sake of it. They're trying and like, then, and then come they're, to terms. They're just with... recycling over same old, same old players. I'm just like, where's the ra- where's the logic? They're trying to like come to terms with so many things. One of those being their current super defensive like style. Also, a different thing is coming to terms with the fact that Real Madrid won three Champions Leagues in a row and they have nothing to show for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just like worried. They're just like, whoa, what the heck do we do? <laughs> Real Madrid situation coming is- to terms with the fact that that Messi is not going to be there forever, and they have, they have to try their best to win as many trophies as possible while, while Messi's there. Don't get started on Messi. But yeah, I think I don't know. I'm got it's funny you brought up Real Madrid because I also think it's funny how their team is kind of crumbling right now. They they brought back Zidane. They made like multiple signings of the summer, but those those to me are not signings that I feel like are the Galactico signings that they need. And I feel like maybe timing wise, they just couldn't get those Galactico signings because there wasn't enough time. But so do you do you have any comments about? Real Madrid to wrap up this this part too. I don't want to focus on Real Madrid, but there's a huge, 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 huge rumor that Paul Pogba and Kylian Mbappe are both going to Real Madrid next summer. Paul Pogba, Kylian Mbappe, and if that Salah, happens, nah, there's no, there's no, you know, Van Dyke. Everyone, Salah's gonna leave. Salah's gonna leave. Salah's gonna go Barcelona. Barcelona's gonna try to sign. Salah. Maybe Salah too. Maybe Salah too. You never know. But I'm pretty sure Zidane is going to be broke if he tries to sign Bogba. Zidane's going to be He's going to open up his pockets one day. And his pockets Literally, their whole transfer window is just going to be those two players. Because there's no way you guys are going to sell Pogba for less than 150 mil. Yeah, that's And there's true. literally no... Because we sold Coutinho 
for 140 and his brand was nowhere near nowhere the near brand. brand. Nowhere near the brand Pogba's power brand. of Pogba. It's crazy. We, we fleeced Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, you fleeced them. We fleeced them. Oh my gosh, that was such a bad buy. I forgot about That's that. That's insane. That was horrendous. They made panic buys. They that was panic horrendous. buys. That was, a, that was a panic buy. And I'm just like, oh, Barcelona's, oh, Coutinho's a, a That great, was embarrassing. He's a, Brazil, he's, a Brazilian, he's a Brazilian player. You almost had to cover it up with another big panic buy. Just, just to get over the fact of how big you flopped with, with, with uh, Coutinho. Signing Griezmann was another debacle, I think. Oh, I think another debacle. Sign. They had so many debacle signings. It's crazy how they signed all these quote-unquote superstar attackers, and the only two that keep consistently performing are Messi and Suarez. That's it. They, they didn't stay inside Messi, Whoever knew, whoever they signed Messi still. The only person they signed. <laughs> Imagine, out of the ten superstar signings they signed, only Suarez, the one staying. He's, he's still only he's, Suarez. He's still performing. Everyone else is just like, yeah, whatever. Like, they're just, they don't, they're not as committed. I like Frankie De Young, though. He's going like to be a he's good. big player for Barcelona in the future. He's good. He's going to be a big, next, he's going to be the next Javi. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't watch the games, do you? Yeah, no, no, he's not with Javi. Uh, he's like a mix he has good passing ability. He, and he can dribble. He's like Busquets and Chavi in one. I don't crazy. know. I don't see him as Busquets. Have you seen him? What have you watched? He's a good holding midfielder. Busquets has like insane interception ability. Like he can literally predict interceptions. Like no, you're right. You're right. You're right. He can't. De Jong is good at like pressing and being aggressive and holding. And he's a good ball winner. Yeah. But he's not Busquets. You're right. Busquets. Busquets is his boost defensive ability. Busquets doesn't even have to do half the work of Frankie De Jong and he's twice as effective because he's so good at reading oh, you're situations right, you're right. and being in the right place. To me, the only player that's close, that's that that's similar to Busquets is Pirlo, except Pirlo isn't, wasn't as defensive. But in terms of the mind and the ability to be in the correct space, mm-hmm. to always receive the ball mm-hmm. and intercept plays is like insane. I agree. And on that note, pleasure, pleasure talking with me, Anthony. Pleasure. Pleasure, Reggie.